I want to continue in the series. Let me just get right to this message. Uh, a vision of freedom. John chapter 8 verse 36. Read this with me. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Say it out loud. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So, so that you have the understanding, the early context of the scripture, okay? We say it really nice. But this is a, is, an, is a debate that the Lord Jesus is having. And it will end, this debate will end with individuals trying to kill him on the spot. And Jesus just by the Spirit walking away from them, uh, guarded by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Anybody, anybody know this story? Because sometimes you see this and you say, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. No, no, this was, this was battle. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Also acknowledging this as well. The reason he's saying it is because he's talking to people who are not free. Who are saying that they are. Out of their tradition and blindness, they say, oh, I'm free. Don't be talking to me about freedom. So so I want you to I want you to embrace this. I already mentioned Brother Martin Luther King Jr. Alright, anybody love Brother Martin? Anybody love Brother King? Somebody give thanks to God again for him. What a man of great peace. If you've studied him, if you haven't been paying attention, pay attention. Pay attention to him. Uh, and it's, it's interesting where he is because uh, we forget things so fast. How many know we forget fast? I mean, it's like... Hey, that was, that was 100 years ago. I mean, we have a large community of people today that weren't alive at 9-11. Amen. And it's almost as if it didn't happen. We forget. We just forget what? That happened? Oh, there were Twin Towers? How many just could not forget? Because some of you remember exactly Amen. where you were, like myself. Anybody? Yes. And um, we, have, we, have this, we have this thing about us that causes us to forget. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., how blessed he was. I mean, he was, he was blessed. He was, uh, before he was uh, a pastor, he was pursuing a law degree. And uh, I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, that, I, that's, that's what I wanted. I was, I was going to be a lawyer. <laughs> and, uh, and the Lord spoke to me on a Sunday morning and said, Son, stop running from what I've called you to do. And that's how I ended up here. Um, but I... I so respect him. I so respect his journey. And, and I'm so grateful. And, and I, I want you to understand from his perspective from that particular time. Because though slavery had seemingly been abolished, the remnants of it remained in society through segregation. How many know I'm telling the truth? Anybody know I'm telling the truth? And there, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 5 that says, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. And, and sometimes we are fine. I, I had this happen in my own uh, uh, front yard, you know, that landscaping area. There were some, some plants that I cut down, but I never cut the roots down. And the shrub just grew right back up while I wasn't paying attention. And uh, it was taken over my garden. I had to get a shovel out. Anybody ever had to do that? I know it's, I had to get a shovel. I had to get an axe. I had to cut down the deep roots and, and pull it all out of the ground so it would be completely gone. I didn't want it to ever grow up 
there again. And that's part of what Dr. King was about. One of the things that amazes me is that sometimes we pause on days like this and think about the history of our nation and how far we've come. But in reality, when we talk about slavery and racism and segregation, we're not talking about ancient history. We're not talking about medieval times. Just because it didn't happen in your lifetime doesn't mean that it didn't happen to your neighbors. Diane and I celebrated an anniversary, not a marriage anniversary, but uh, in 1986 we moved here to serve on staff at this church. Now I see Tootsie back there. She remembers, okay? Wave at me, Sister Tootsie. She remembers, okay? Uh, and it, John, you remember. John Martin. There are two people that remember, okay? Uh, but 19, it was January 17, 1986. We moved here, and I assumed the senior pastor of the church. Uh, and I brought my golf clubs with me. Uh, they, they weren't nice. I mean, I bought them at Kmart. Anybody remember Kmart? All right. And, uh, but uh, the senior pastor of the church loved to play golf, and we wanted to play golf. And we were looking around, and there were some places. Anybody remember Lake Wright Golf Course? Yeah. Okay. It's now the Outlet Mall. All right. But they used to let us play for free because we were pastors. Once a week, we could play for free on Monday. We could go and play for free. Don't you think? I tell you. Uh, Randy, you remember. There's, there's somebody who remembers too. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the pastor, uh, Pastor Rains, who was here, he had a massive slice. He was a lefty, and he would slice that ball. He would aim to the wrong fairway just to get it into the middle. <laughs> but it was free. Hallelujah. Somebody, praise God, it was free. And then uh, Stumpy Lake would also let us play free on a Thursday. And uh, ain't nobody letting us play free anymore. So uh, there's one golf course we would not play on. It's called Bite Week. Okay? Now I, I saw some people shaking their heads up and down. It was in Portsmouth. When last play on, we weren't playing on Bite Week. Bite Week was a whites only golf course. And was that way until 1988. All right? I just woke somebody up. You said, what? 1988? Yeah. In 1988. 1988. So I'm, I moved here in 86, and I remember when I realized that, I thought, what? That still exists? Um, and then I think about Dr. King. I was seven years old when he was killed. And uh, so I remember, I have some remembrance, but it wasn't just then. It was, it was the era, and... Uh, some of you looking like I'm all that, that old, but I'm not that old, you know. <laughs> Quit, all right. So, but he was born in. Uh, Dr. King was born into a culture that was filled with segregation, Jim Crow laws that brought massive struggle to our Black American brothers and sisters. And uh, for any of my ancestors that had any part of that, I want to sincerely apologize to you, Jesus for the things that your families had to go through. I'm sorry. Love you. But when I, I think back to those, era, those times and, and, and to, to Dr. King, who was, uh, he was born just 16 years later after Harriet Tubman died. Anybody remember Harriet Tubman? Somebody praise God for Harriet. 
All right. Have you seen the movie? My Lord Jesus. If you haven't seen that, buy it, rent it. It came out in November, and I bought it and went home and watched it. But Diane, I watched it. I wept. I celebrated. That is one of the most powerful movies I have ever seen in my life. And I, you know, she ought to win, uh, somebody ought to win some awards for that. Uh, it was just so powerful in so many ways. It's the story of, uh, if you don't know the story of Harriet Tubman, who no doubt spent a great deal of time walking these roads. Uh, she broke away from slavery and she, this is what her words were. I'm going to live free or I'm going to die. I'm going to live free or I'm going to die. And she said it. And she, walked, she walked on her own 100 miles from Maryland to the free state of Pennsylvania. Got any, any Philadelphia fans in the house? Any Philadelphia? Come on. Come on right. Where are my Eagles fans? I tell you, I started thinking about her. I almost, I almost said, I'm going to be an Eagles fan. That changed my mind real fast. but Because uh, Todd wouldn't let me in. I don't think. But. Then uh, she, she walked 100 miles. Her brothers, really, her two brothers started with her. But they turned back. And she just kept walking. And within a, a year later, she began making trips south to lead others to freedom. The Underground Railroad. Somebody praise God for that. What I loved about the movie was the message of Jesus in it especially. Because this woman loved Jesus. Did you know that there were people that were free before slavery was abolished? No, I'm saying there were people that people said they were enslaved. But they had already found Jesus. And Harriet was one of those individuals. She made so many trips back. At least 19 return trips to the south. And she was considered a conductor of the Underground Railroad. And one of those places that people were brought to was right in Norfolk, Virginia. Right? Right around the Chesapeake Bay where people would uh, secretly board ships and head to, to free states. And she said, uh, one of Harriet's uh, great statements was this. I always told God, I'm going to hold steady on you and you've got to see me through. She infuriated Slaveholders, they posted a $40,000 bond for her uh, because she, she, she would come in and for some reason, the Lord would lead her and guide her steps and they just couldn't catch her. They called her Moses because she led so many people out. She was later afterwards, after uh, uh, slavery was abolished, she was still instrumental she was heavily involved in the Civil War. She worked for the Union Army as a cook and a nurse and eventually as an, army, as an armed scout and a spy. She was the first woman to lead an armed expedition in the war. She liberated in that time, just in, in the war, more than 700 people who had been enslaved in South Carolina. You want to praise God for Sister Harriet? You want to praise God for her? But ultimately, it was Harriet being led by the Holy Spirit through visions and dreams. Literally, there was a moment in her life where, uh, where the, the slave uh, owner yelled at her because somebody was trying to run. And she was, told her to stop him. She was like 12 years old. And she got hit in the head. And, and out of that, 
uh, had a, a concussion, a, probably a skull fracture. And, but after that, she would, she would just have these visions and dreams. And the Lord would tell her just to walk this way or turn to the right. It's just... How many thank God that he will lead you out of slavery? Anybody thank God? I was, I was watching a movie and it was over. I just wanted to watch it over and over. It's just that powerful. And I thought, I want to be like Harriet. Somebody said, I want to be like Harriet. I want to be, I want to be that way. And her story makes such sense. One of her great quotes is this. She said, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. You ready to pray? I mean, I just think Harriet might have just set somebody free right now. And I, and I hear that because I've seen so many set free. I've heard so many stories. I, uh, we were at uh, the, the, the family gathering. Lauren uh, Holmes' mother, Cynthia Burwell, passed away last Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, she passed away. And we, we were there, and I had a couple who uh, I remember from... Uh, the 90s, and, and, well, really, the, two, in the early 2000s, who came to our church, gave their life to Jesus, and they came and gave me hugs. Oh, yeah, give me a bow. And it was, they were hugging me because they gave their lives to Jesus now, and now they are pastoring a bilingual church. And uh, they said, this is all, freedom is always our home. This is where I got set free. And I'm thinking, you know how many people have walked in this door and not given their lives to Jesus? You know, how many people have said, you know, I'm good enough just the way I am. Don't you be telling me how I am. Don't be, don't be talking about my life. The message of freedom. Come on. The word of God is a message of freedom for everyone. If we could just follow Jesus, we would overcome some great evil. How many know if people follow Jesus, they won't be racist? Anybody know that? If people follow Jesus, they'll be led out of segregation. They'll be out of slavery. The message of freedom is the message of the gospel. I mean, it was... It was individuals in the Reformation. It was some great uh, Baptists and so, some, some great Quakers, as a matter of fact, during the Reformation. The message then was in slavery. Set God's people free. The message of freedom is the message of the gospel. And before Martin, before Harriet, come on, before Lincoln, there was a man named Jesus who came to set us free. Jesus is the ultimate deliverer. Amen. Come on, Jesus is the ultimate deliverer. I love these scriptures, you know, like Acts 1 and 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. No, not Samaria. Because they were segregated from the Samaritans. And to the ends of the earth. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Folks, Jesus died for everybody. And the, the message of the gospel is a whosoever message. Somebody shout whosoever. Now, I know that's an old English word, but whosoever. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Read the next two words. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In John 4, 14. Uh, Jesus said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks, whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman. She even looked at him and said, why are you talking to me? You ain't supposed to be talking to me. And he explained that whosoever. In, in John chapter 4, excuse John chapter 11, 26. 
Jesus said, whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And in, uh, in John 12, he said, I have come as a light into the world that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And in, in Acts chapter 221, and it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody shout, whosoever. whosoever. Revelation 22 and 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whosoever is thirsty, let him come. And whosoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. The message of Christ is the message that Harriet Martin also preached. You see, you got to be cautious. There's a problem. Because some people kind of get their cart before the horse. And uh, they forget that Jesus came to set them Free. Hello. Here's the problem. Martin would agree with what I'm saying. That people need to be free everywhere. John 8, uh, 36 again. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The statement is given only after a problem is stated about slavery. In John 8, 34, Jesus told some guys, he said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Harriet said, I slaved a th- I, I'd have set a thousand more free if they would have just recognized they were slaves. I'm, I'm preaching to you now. There are slaves in the house right now. Anybody want to see them set free this morning? Somebody shout amen. Because Satan is the Ultimate slave master. And he has crushed the lives of so many. They would live life differently if they could. This is a big story. You have to go back to the beginning of the chapter, chapter 8, to find out all about this. Because all of chapter 8, it's just one big story. Uh, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, in verse number 3, brought a woman who was caught in adultery. They literally caught her in adultery. Do you hear what I'm saying? They caught her and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, they put Jesus up as the judge and said, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They knew Jesus wasn't going to stone her because Jesus hung out with prostitutes, sinners. Tax collectors. Somebody praise God for that. Aren't you glad Jesus hung out with you before you were saved? Anybody glad for that? Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. You need to underline that so we can contextualize that correctly in a moment. Then he stooped back down and wrote on the ground. After this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left and the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Another version says, Woman, where are your accusers? No one, sir. She said, Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. We can say so much about the scripture. 
Uh, we see them set Jesus up as a judge, yet he is not ready to cast a stone. And he writes on the ground, and we, we don't know exactly what he was writing. I don't know. You ever see somebody just stand around ignoring you? Jesus on purpose ignored them. Right. On purpose. I am not. Anybody, anybody ever had to ignore somebody? I mean, some of you ignore me right now. But wake up, all right? <laughs> anybody ever had to ignore somebody because they just would not be quiet? They just would not stop and so you just ignore them? Because if you don't, you're going to have to do something about them. And Jesus loved these people as well. So he ignores them. Somebody said that he wrote on the ground. He just wrote their names and then he wrote what their sins were. Because somehow they, out of conviction or something, they all started to walk away. But he makes this statement. He says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Which we, anybody love that statement right there? Anybody who's without sin cast the first stone? Anybody? I'm not here to send anybody to hell right now. Did you know that? That's not what my purpose is in the room. I'm not here to do that. He says, who is without sin cast the first stone. But I think... We misuse this scripture constantly. We often use this. In fact, there are individuals who do not know this story, who do not know Jesus, who use this because they might get held accountable and you say something like, well, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone. Really what I'm saying is don't hold me accountable for what's going on in my life because you've been through it. We, how many know we need some accountability in our life? Anybody know that? I need somebody to talk to me about what's really going on. But, but, but what is great is this. Jesus did not come to kill people who are slaves to sin. Jesus came to save sinners from their sin. I love that. I just want you to embrace that just for a moment because the purpose of Christ is so clarified right here. It's just so massively clarified. Jesus said this about his purpose. Jesus came to set people free. Jesus came to set everyone free. Somebody thank God for that. He came to set us completely free. And in Luke chapter 4, he said this to a congregation. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty to those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You should underline that last statement in your notes because we really don't understand this. What he is saying is, I have come to bring something that you knew about when you were under the law, the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord was every 50 years they had a year of jubilee. And the year of jubilee is this. Oh, I love the year of jubilee. Here's the year of jubilee. The year of jubilee is that if you went into such debt that you had to leave your home and you could never return to it, you got to go back and claim what you lost to your debtor. Amen. The year of Jubilee was the year where people who had wasted so much got to enjoy blessing again. Amen. People who had lost so much it was about the poor. It was about the blind. It, it was about uh, the captives. It was about recovery. Somebody shout recovery. Shout it. Okay. And Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 4, I came to set captives free. Amen. What is easier? Healing or forgiveness of sin? You see, some people think if I could just be healed... 
Jesus, on different occasions, somebody would be brought to him that was sick. He would heal them. Uh, and they would say, well, you know, who are you healing people? And he said, well, what's easier? To heal them, cause this lame man, the paralyzed man to walk, or to do this and look at him and say, your sins are forgiven you. You see, my greatest bondage is my sin. Can I get an amen from someone? Amen. And Jesus is the ultimate Moses. He's the ultimate Joshua. He's the ultimate David. So please don't misuse this teaching. When you look at someone and say, don't you judge me in order that you might continue in your slavery, you, you should look at them and say, thank you for showing me what's going on, what you see. I want to talk to Jesus about this because I don't want any sin. I don't want any shame. I don't want any guilt in my life. So, so Jesus says, to the adulterous woman in John chapter 8 and 11. He said, where are your accusers? No one. All of the accusers are gone. Why? Because Jesus went to the cross and took your sin upon himself. So that you would not be controlled and enslaved by it any longer. You're no longer. You no, I'm no longer a sinner. And sin no longer controls my life. I'm concerned. That there is more slavery in the world than ever before. Estimates today in the world. That there are over 40 million people who are slaves today. It's not shown the same way that we see it. The problem is the way it's calculated. It's not blatant but it's still there. It's massive specifically in impoverished countries. And Jesus however actually called upon the Pharisees who were questioning him about this woman who was, who was caught in adultery. And he looked at them and he said, uh, you guys are slaves to sin. But remember, Jesus didn't come to leave you in your sin, but to set you free from your sin. The church has almost become a partner in allowing people to remain enslaved to their sin. I can feel myself grimace. Because this entire subject is a struggle for the church. He's talking to the religious people. We somehow erroneous believe, erroneously believe that Jesus died for your sin. So we don't ever have to fight against it anymore. It'd be like telling Brother Martin, the Civil War is over. You don't need to march against segregation. See, we're so busy not holding ourselves or allowing the Holy Spirit to hold us accountable for unrighteousness, somehow thinking that we are benefiting individuals by being super cautious not to reveal their bondage. I got real quiet in the house. I'm going to go there. As a believer in the work of Jesus, your sinfulness should be as repulsive as racism. The church has lost its ability to speak to those who are enslaved by sin because we don't want to challenge our Christian consumers. Amen. Today, such topics as sexual sin, including homosexuality, are dangerous to address from the pulpit because swiftly I will be called into question of whether or not I love those people. But we are not here to stone you. We are here to set you free by the power of the blood of Jesus. Yes. I want you to be washed. 
I want you to be set free. I want you to be forgiven by Christ. See, we can't avoid the question and the truth. We need to bring people to Jesus so he can set them free and embrace a redemptive answer to their struggles. We dare not, however, for fear that we might be thrown into prison. But we cannot leave those who are enslaved to sin without a loving answer to their bondage. Amen. Don't throw stones Embrace the broken. Love them. This is the message from Jesus to the church at Thyatira. In in Revelation chapter 2, he said, Nevertheless, I have these things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Ultimately, the church... In Revelation, and Jezebel brought death upon herself and her children. Please know this. There is much more to repent over than just sexual immorality. However, as the church, we are right in drawing people with kindness and love. But we are wrong if we will not answer a culture so messed up it is unsure whether gays should marry or children should be aborted. We need to rise up as the church and love broken people into the kingdom. Go! Where are your accusers? They're not here. But go and leave your life of sin. Amen. Amen. We Christians need to hear again the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Remember the gospel preacher who wrote from a Nazi prison camp. And when he said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism, without church discipline, communion, without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus Christ. We have to be cautious lest we pour our rivers of God's grace without end but fail to call people to closely follow the Lord Jesus who has led them out of the bondage of slavery. And I call you today. You might be angry today. And you might look at me and say, how can you call me to be set free? You're in a church called freedom. You're not in a church called just leave it alone and just forget about it. You're in a church that believes in the power of a saving, redemptive Jesus who sent his his, his spirit in order that the bondage of slavery would be broken. Somebody praise God. I love the explanation in Romans. Paul writes in Romans 6 and 1, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? My Lord. <laughs> Do you hear that? I, and I've heard this. I, I've had this discussion before. Jesus died for my grace. It doesn't matter how I live or what I do. Have you read the Bible? Have you read the Bible? The men wrote the Bible. So why do you believe in Jesus? Amen. Listen, he says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new life. Somebody shout, I can live a new life. Let me just ask, 
Is there anybody in here would lift up their hand and say, Pastor, I'm living a new life. I'm living a new life. Where are you? I'm living a new life. Romans 6, Paul goes on and says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. I'm not giving myself back to what Jesus set me free from. In verse 15, he goes on and says, Sins, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not! Don't you realize that you became the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which lives, which leads to righteous living. Amen. Romans 8 and 12. Therefore, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds... Of the body you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen. You did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. Just want to have a moment of grace here. Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? This shows the battling heart of Jesus as he fights for someone. It would have been easier just to say, well, you know, everybody wants to throw a rock. I was, uh, I was, this week, this, this message been in my heart. and I watched that Harriet story. Man, I love that Harriet story. And then I looked up Pennsylvania because there were free states in the, in the north and there were people that would flee the south and run to the north. And uh, it was still a frightening scenario. It was frightening. But run to Pennsylvania. Aren't you glad somebody ran to Pennsylvania? Anybody glad Harry ran to Pennsylvania? Anybody thankful for that? I am. And I was looking up some of that. Then I had a call from a dad. Because earlier in the week I was in jail, visiting. <laughs> it's still, it's still odd going to jail. Even visiting is odd. And I was in a jail visiting young woman. I don't know, maybe she's listening today. I don't know. But I was visiting, praying with her. She wept on the other side of the glass, and we talked on that old phone and prayed. Because we were praying for. Her to be set free from bondage that had held her for years and years and years and years and years. Her father was talking to me about how he wanted his daughter to be free. And uh, over the years, there have been different programs that I've worked with. Worked with the, you know, the Youth Challenge Program many times. And we have one that we've connected with in uh, Pennsylvania called Penile. And that's one our hearts were set on, but she just was struggling with it. And I finished up my message and was settled for the weekend pretty much and I got a call from dad he was just so overjoyed he said I just have to tell you that I'm halfway back from Pennsylvania because I dropped my daughter off there today and she's going to be totally set free and I thought I thought the number of people that walk into this church every day that need to find a free place they need to find 
the truth that they can be set free. There's some, there's some topics in Scripture that we sometimes jump over in a hurry. Actually, I had somebody jump my case once talking about repentance because I said, you know, you can repent. Here we go talking about repentance again. I guess it's just not popular anymore. But repentance is powerful. Yes, it is. Let me tell you something else. Yes, it is. Confession is monumental. Amen. But I wouldn't want to confess to those Pharisees who had rocks in their hands. I want to confess to Jesus. Amen. Because Jesus did not come. That's why he didn't throw a stone at her. Jesus came the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee is this. He came not to condemn, but to set people free. He did not come to send people to hell. He came to offer them redemption. And here you are on this day. And you say, well, what do I do with this message? Here's an idea. Don't live in your shame anymore. Ask the Lord Jesus. Repent. Confess. Repent. And let the Lord take away all the bondage from your life through the Holy Spirit. The chains are about to fall off of your life. Anybody have a new nature? Anybody have a new nature? How many know the Lord will give you a new nature? Anybody ready for this? Is this too heavy? Is this too heavy? Stand with me. Stand with me. Stand with me. Let's give thanks to the Lord for His Word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm free, praise the Lord, I'm free, no longer bound, no more chains holding me, soul is resting, it's such a blessing, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm I'm free, praise the Lord, I'm free, no longer bound, no longer bound, no more chains holding me, my soul is resting, and it's such a blessing. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm free. And now, are you ready? Anybody ready for confession and repentance? Anybody ready for that? So I'm asking you, right here in front of everybody, if you're tired of sin that is controlling your life, I know you're not that bad. Don't, don't allow this. It's a good day to make a run for freedom. Amen. Holy Spirit, reveal to those who are tired of the slavery that they've been in. And let today be their day of freedom, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Who needs to be set free today? Wave at me. Wave at me. Anybody need to be set free? Who needs freedom? Who's tired of the bondage? Wave at me. Tired of the bondage. Run on down.
Come on down. Come on down. Come on. Come on. There's more. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. sickness, if you need prayer for anything, for your marriage, for your home, whatever, I have others that are here that will pray for you. You ready? Praise the Lord. Somebody shout praise the Lord. So here we go. Let's all confess. Let's confess. Lord, we confess that we've been slaves to sin. We confess, Lord Jesus, that these are those areas that the enemy chooses to hold us in. But no more in Jesus' name. We're ready to break away. We come fully in your, we come fully towards your love and towards your grace. Remove every chain. We ask that every stain, that every, that all the guilt would be removed. We say it in the name of Jesus. continue to pray, but I want you to receive this. Listen. Some of us just want to pray about it. The Lord says, listen, I want you to talk about it. I want you to talk about it. Somebody's with you right now. You can talk about it. You can talk about it. There are people that are here to pray with you. Trust them. I can't see. I'm looking at the altar. I can't see anybody that I don't trust that's up here to pray with you. I want you to talk about it. I want you to pray together with that, those individuals and I want you to know I want you to know that you leave this place free. Free from the past. Everybody in the, in, the, in the congregation, would you find somebody to pray with? Are you ready? Begin to pray, minister. Come on, somebody run for freedom today. Somebody shout, run for freedom. Run for freedom. Run for freedom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Give you peace and freedom. Christ. Pray with one another. You see people standing nearby. You say, should I pray with them? They're standing there. They're praying. You pray with them. God bless you all. Give you this, this one. I love you.